Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, Friday edition, getting ready to head in the weekend. Maybe the weekend has started for some of you. If so, cheers. Have a great weekend. But for the rest of us, working stiffs out there, still going on a Friday, we're going to go hard this final hour. That's our promise to you on this Friday. We're going to send you into your weekend properly. I'm Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton. He'll be back on Monday, which means the stunning Armando Salguero probably could have used stunning on Taylor Bashotti instead of stellar and then flip-flop those two, but I'll go with stunning for Armando Salguero of outkick.com. Who's on with us right now. Special guest co-host Armando. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. It's been a lot of fun. I think of all the uh, adjectives that you've used stunning is, is the most appropriate because it's, it's also the stunning. most stunning. It's the most stunning of the adjectives. Well, it's stunning that you guys couldn't find someone with real talent to <laughs> oh, come be on. your co-host today. So, come on, yeah, you... here I am. I'm stunned. Armando, longtime uh, radio guy down in South Florida also. And uh, on top of covering the NFL, uh, there are a few people we could have gotten that were better. And those few people said no when we asked them also. So, but <laughs> we appreciate it. Yes. We appreciate well done, you doing there it. With you. Yes, we well, appreciate you. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of people, and I was one of them, asked the question: Was it well done or not by Tennessee to decide to turn state's witness on themselves when the NCAA came knocking on what was going on under Jeremy Pruitt uh, with bags of cash, with paid official visits happening, with some money going out to players? Is it ever the right decision to say, okay, NCAA, we open up our doors. Here's our text messages. Here are our emails. Here's all the info we have. We're firing the coaches. Please take it easy on us. Or do you go the LSU route? And the LSU route was defiance. I think we saw it to an extent at Kansas also with, with Bill Self, right? Hey, at LSU, Will Wade's our guy. We know that the FBI has him on wiretap saying this, but you know, we're going to do our little chintzy investigation and say, okay, he's going to have this happen to him, but nothing else, and we're not going to play ball with you. What's the right approach to take with the NCAA? The NCAA came back today after three years, Armando, of investigating Tennessee, and um, they came with some pretty, some pretty hefty, at least a hefty fine, one we've never seen before in college sports. $8 million fine handed out to Tennessee in this deal, but really anything that's going to affect them in the future, not much, no bowl ban, no postseason issues one way or the other. $8 million is a lot of money. Tennessee had already self-imposed 16 scholarship reductions. So they're going to have two more this year. They went with 28 total. So that's 10 over five years to put that into perspective. Cause I think the national narrative is going to be, man, the NCAA hammered Tennessee, right? Over 200 violations, and they hammered Tennessee with all of this. Tennessee goes from 85 scholarship players to 83 scholarship players over the next five years. That's the way to look at it. 
And in NIL now, Armando, they're going to have 85 scholarship players. They've got a basketball player who was a former starter who came back for a fifth year, and he decided to come back after they handed out all of their scholarships that they have under NCAA rules, and this player is a quote-unquote walk-on. Well, he's getting paid to go to school there. I'm pretty sure someone's picking up the tab for his books and tuition for this next year to play. So Tennessee's going to be able to pay for two more scholarship players, probably in-state guys with not a ton of big offers, that they can say, preferred walk-on, but really we're going to pay for you. You're going to be on scholarship, but not by title. So that's not a big issue now moving forward. And the question is, did the NCAA get it right? Did Tennessee get it right by cooperating? Because the lead investigator with the NCAA came out and said in a press conference, and maybe she's telling the truth, maybe she's not, but she said essentially there would have been a postseason ban had Tennessee not fully cooperated. Do you buy that? What do you make of this? Was this the right decision? Yeah, well, that statement right there is a paid political uh, ad for future teams. Oh, by the way, if you cooperate with That's us a great and make point. my job easier, it'll go better for you. So I don't care what she said. Uh, but two things. Uh, number one, of the, the 200 infractions that they found uh, from the Pruitt years, the most egregious was where they gave out $60,000. He and his wife gave out $60,000 in cash payments for the players' families. Well, that was at a time when, you know, players weren't getting paid. Now $60,000 is a drop in a bucket to what some of these players are getting paid as individuals from the NIL system. Um, so – it's hard to, you know, drop a sledgehammer on a, a, a program when $60,000 is the thing that you're pointing at. And today's programs, there's players making $800,000 from NIL in a year, really. Also, I think the NCAA understands that it's not good policy to, to punish the program that is there now when the impermissible, you know, uh, sanctions and so forth were done years ago and the people that did those, the, the perpetrators have long been gone. The players that benefit have long been gone. The players that are there now had nothing to do with it. And the coaches that are there now have nothing to do with it. So from, from both standpoints, it makes sense that this isn't exactly you know, the, the so-called electric chair of NCAA sanctions. Uh, by the way, $8 million, patootie, $8 million. $8 million is like nothing to SEC football programs. It's, it's also slightly humorous, and everything you brought up is 1,000% true about the state of college sports now with NIL being allowed and how minuscule some of these things look. And the headline is going to say 200-plus violations, and that's bad, and that looks awful, right? But when you really dive into it versus what's going on today, is it really that bad? No, of course not. That $8 million figure, though, Armando, the NCAA is saying – and by the way, it's Kay Norton was the chief uh, officer in charge of this investigation with the NCAA. She's the one with the quote that we don't care about where she said, oh, if they hadn't cooperated, we would have given them a bowl ban. And you're right. That's a message – to future teams that are in the NCAA's crosshairs. 
That $8 million, though, was a figure they said would have been what they made two years going to bowls after the fact uh, with Jeremy Pruitt and Josh Heupel. Really the last two years uh, with, with Josh Heupel. They're saying that that's the bowl money that we're going to penalize you now to come to us, which is also very self-serving that the NCAA always looking for ways to make money. They make a ton off the NCAA basketball tournament. Now they're going to make $8 million off of, off of Tennessee. And the other one that's funny about the $8 million figure is, if you believe reports, Tennessee has a five-star freshman quarterback that is making $8 million over four years. Four years, $2 million a year for Nico Iamaleava from, South, from Southern California to come to Tennessee to play quarterback. So I know that's not necessarily the thinking, but I did laugh when I heard that number, and I'm thinking, Tennessee allegedly is paying a quarterback in NIL that much money. They've never seen play college football. So they'll gladly fork over the $8 million to not suffer any future penalties. And the most impressive thing about that that you said was when you – enunciated Nico Inamaliava's name. (laughs) And you like went through it like it was Jones. And I'm impressed when you do Salguero because, (laughs) I mean, let's face it, that's not exactly from Nebraska. But Nico, my man, do it again, Chad. Impress me some more. Nico Iamaleava. Oh, my gosh. I'm a man of many talents. What can I say? Uh, I've practiced that. I've rehearsed that in the mirror before I came here, in fact, to say that name over and over, just to impress you, Armando. My dude, you're like, one more time, Chad. Nico Iamaleava. I love it. Now, if you're watching, you're seeing Nico Iamaleava right now. But isn't that now, look, I don't, I don't, talking to people, I don't think he's making $8 million necessarily, as the report says. I do believe he's making over a million dollars a year. At NIL to be at Tennessee as long as he's there. Can you spell it? Can you spell it? Um, I A E M A U L A V E A. I butchered that. I'm pretty sure. But if I got that right, that's going to be a walk off, and the show will end right now. We'll walk out of here together for the weekend. If I actually got that right, I'm guaranteeing you that I probably did not get it right, though. But that's close. I can get though, Armando. That's that's freaking impressive. I'm just I got nothing. I'm impressed. So Skip Bayless, some would say he's impressive. Uh, others, you know, may argue against that. There are some. He's friends with Lil Wayne. I think they're like neighbors uh, in L.A. But they're they're buddies. There are two rappers, Maze and Cameron, are the names of the rappers. They're coming out and saying Skip Bayless needs to find a white co-host. Because Skip Bayless is a culture vulture. That he is a vulture of black culture by bringing black co-hosts on the show to argue with. And that that's him being a vulture of the culture. I've never heard of this phrase before, Armando. Uh, and I've never really thought about it in that way. When I, you know, If I ever see a debate show, which I'm not a huge fan of, of that format... But when I see it, I'm not always thinking, man, it's got to be, you know, white guy versus black guy. I I just want people who are good at laying out their points and are compelling on television that are intelligent to be on there. I'm never thinking about, you know, oh, it's got to be white versus black with Skip Bayless versus whoever his partner is. So um, I'm not an expert, but I believe that in the hip hop culture, someone who is a culture vulture 
is someone who appropriates someone else's culture. Okay. And being labeled a vulture implies that you're you're interacting with a culture to benefit from it. <laughs> I'm not sure what Skip Bayless is. I would, you know, culture vulture. I mean, who, who's got time to think about stuff like this? Um, I, I, I just don't understand the whole. Look, let, let me let me. Let's do the exercise from the back end. If that show hires someone who is Skip Bayless's age, someone who looks exactly like Skip Bayless, someone who speaks like Skip Bayless, someone who has the same life experiences similar, if not the same, to Skip Bayless, what are the DEI people going to say? Oh, we, it, it's going to be, you know, you're going with the, the old white guy route and you need to hire a minority. And and we all, it's it's a, all very predictable. And it's a, uh, it, it's the back room dudes hiring their own. Their friends, their yeah. buddies, so, yeah, people that, are, that look like them. That's going to be the argument. So, so either way, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And that is the problem with all this uh, race and culture identification. If we're just down the road to let's hire the most impressive and, you know, um, controversial, uh, insightful, thoughtful guy, regardless of whether he's avocado green and pink, you know, as, as a race, then nobody says a thing. But we are a society that has devolved into we must identify everybody and everybody has to have their culture and everyone has to have their race and every and never the twain shall meet and if they do there's some secret warped reason for that well and i think shannon sharp in his goodbye when he left the show you know would even tell you that skip bayless going to bat for him and wanting him on that show was very profitable to Shannon Sharp and, and was a very good career move for him for, for the many years that he was on that show. I mean, they, they did that show since 2016, I think. It's a seven-year run that they were on together, and he made a lot of money doing it. So I, I don't get the other claims of, you know, he's going to make more money and he's penalizing them but not being paid as much and whatever. It's a very strange argument. Jim Ursay is someone I would say is a strange owner in that he's very different, right, from the rest of the ownership of the NFL. He has a memorabilia collection, sports memorabilia, one item being the championship belt that Muhammad Ali won in the Rumble in the Jungle in Zaire against George Foreman. He's got guitars and music memorabilia. Jim Ursay reportedly refused a $1 billion purchase that someone wanted to buy his memorabilia collection, turned down $1 billion for his memorabilia collection. Um, does that sound like a Jim Ursay move to you, Armando, with what you know about this guy covering him, your, your many years covering the league? You know, we've used uh, a lot of adjectives on this show, Chad. Eccentric is one that I think is fitting for Jim Ursay. Um, he, he, he marches to his own beat. Uh, and it is a drum, typically, that he probably bought from the Beatles or something like that. Um, so it's typical of 
of of him. And I don't begrudge him one iota for it. If if the dude wants to, you know, turn down a billion or fifty billion dollars for his stupid stuff that he's collected that I wouldn't give five dollars for, then God bless him, you know. Um, be the, be your own man, Jim Irsay. I'm way more interested in the guy that's offering the one billion dollars than Jim Irsay turning it down. I mean, the amount of money that you have to say, I'm going to buy this guy's private memorabilia collection for $1 billion, that, yeah, that's the crazy part of that story to me. It gets a little crazy when we have a gun show in here in studio. Mike Gunzelman of OutKick, I would say he's kind of the culture writer uh, for OutKick, and, and he covers culture for OutKick, all sorts of culture. He's very cultured. We'll talk to Mike Gunzelman, the gun show. He's in studio. He's coming up next in this Friday edition. Let's have some more fun. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We are back on a Friday. I'm Chad Withrow. I'm in the house, 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville studios. Armando Salguero being just a great dude all around. <laughs> Uh, the very intelligent Armando Salguero. I've been jotting down Ooh. adjectives to describe Armando, so I get one in every single segment. Guest co-hosting today. And on Fridays, we like to kick back. We like to – I wouldn't say kick back. We like to bring the energy <laughs> on a Friday as Let's we go. head to the weekend with Mike Gunzelman, the gun show, in studio, you in the it. flesh What's with up, us. What's up, baby? How are you? And ya? he's ready to go. I'm great. How are you, man? I, I was hoping that when you were saying, you know, very intelligent, and I, I was hoping you were introducing me, but Armando, we'll give you that. You yeah. can be the intelligent one intelligent, on the panel today, all right, my man? The, the intelligent Armando <laughs> Salguero and the energetic uh, there Mike Gunzelman, both in studio. I, I, there's not a single uh, nice adjective to describe me, so I'll, I'll just stick with just, just Chad. <laughs> just Chad. The Chad in studio with, with a gun show. <laughs> So I wanted to get into this uh, yeah. with you uh, because I do think this is going to be something that affects all of us in terms of entertainment right. and what we watch. Writers are on strike in Hollywood. Yes. And now actors are Not on good. strike Not ideal. in Hollywood. Um, there are plenty of shows that are highly anticipated that stop production immediately. Yes. 
yesterday. Uh, the cast of Oppenheimer was at the London premiere and walked out mid-movie yep. the moment it was announced because they can't promote anything be a part once they're on strike. This is bad news, Guns. Give me some good news on it, or is there any good news? There, you know what? There's, there's nothing good to say about this because, unfortunately, both sides are in the trenches. It's, very, it's getting very contentious. Yesterday, Vanity Fair had this article that uh, one of the uh, studio execs was saying that uh, – the strike's not going to end until the writers, quote, start losing their apartments. They said that they've known that this is coming for a while, that they have the financial backing with the Wall Street execs, you know, the Wall Street, all the funding that they know, and that they are going to bleed out the writers and now actors and actresses. Now, of course, you know, the A-stars, they'll be fine. They'll have all the money, but I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about those that... Uh, the crew, those that you know, that are up and coming, those that literally do need these paychecks, and the studios know that eventually they're going to have to crack. I was listening to something today, and I, I'm not you know, completely up to date on everything that goes on in Hollywood, but saying essentially that there's already writers who've lost their apartments. Yeah. Or lost, you know, even before that, because of the state of the industry. Yes. And where it's all very much consolidated. And, right? You have these big conglomerates, and the way they're doing business now uh, it's 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 screwing. <laughs> there's a lot of competition and there's no competition, right? Yes. Because a few own a lot. Yes. So there's a lot of opportunity to get something on a streamer or on a, a, a channel somewhere, but yet fewer people and fewer companies own it. So they're kind of they got a stranglehold on on what they're spending. With talent, I mean, it is it is a monopoly. For all the jokes that we say that, oh my gosh, there's so many streaming services and I'm subscribed to this, 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 this. Might as well just bring cable back. I've said that plenty of times. The truth is there's only so many out there. And they are joining forces and they have a ton of money and they do hold the cards. Now, um, you know, they're saying till it, it's, it's, I've talked to some writers that are on the picket line. I've talked to some uh, actors that are on it today as well. It is, uh, it's not, I, I understand what they're saying. So the bottom line is it all comes across because there is no game plan. There's no, there's no foundation for what are we going to do? There's no uh, moving forward regarding streaming because it deals with residuals. They never have, they, so they don't know about the residuals aspect of it. And then also streaming never reports numbers. So uh. you cannot get paid if you're not accurately being told how many people are actually watching. And in addition to this, and this we've spoken about in the past, the big issue is that this is one of the biggest initial battles against the growth of AI. Because what they want to do, even yesterday, I watched the, uh, the writers, one of the, uh, yeah, not the writers, one of the, uh, the studio, uh, uh, studio uh, execs had a uh, press conference and, and was speaking. And one of the things that they said was a groundbreaking offer to the, uh, to the actors out there and the writers, was that they will own their likeness oh moving gosh. forward if you are a background actor. So you already see what's happening here, that even if you're going to get like five, like say five grand or anything like that, they now have you so that they, in the future, it's all going to be digitized anyway. They know exactly what they are doing, and they're like, 
you're screwed. And it's the first of many things that are going to be affected by this. So I, listen, I'm not all about the people that are worth $150 million. I don't feel bad for Matt Damon or Ben Affleck. Like, no, I feel bad for the, someone like us, the common worker out there. But in a larger issue, it is the first fight against these giant corporations that are moving towards AI. And it's only going to trickle down into the healthcare, into the financial services, into uh, restaurant workers that are going to start seeing robots. Well, and it's all, if you want to see something trippy, go watch the first 20 minutes of the new Indiana Jones movie about what they can do with AI. Yep, exactly. With a younger version of uh, Harrison Ford that is just scraped material yep. of his acting performances in other Indiana Jones movies that they pieced together to create this, which is crazy. Yep. Armando, one thing that I, I, we've seen in the past, I was watching something about this, but every time there's been a writer's strike in Hollywood, it's led to a boom in reality television. Oh. It started in like 1999. There was one or 2000, and that was when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire became a, 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 a national sensation. Um, they brought back uh, American Gladiators when it came out originally in 89 or 90. There was a writer's strike. When they brought it back in 2007 or 2008, there was a writer's strike. I feel like this is good for the sports business. Because what's going to be in demand now if there's no scripted television or, or yeah. movies? It's what's unscripted, right? Sports. What you're going to be writing about at OutKick with the NFL. People are going to be more drawn to sports now because there's nothing else on if this lasts for any period of time. Well, if you believe certain conspiracy theories, sports is scripted. So, <laughs> you know, there, there is there is that. But uh, uh, those I gotta, NFL gotta, writers are on strike too. That's going to be a big problem for this upcoming season with great storylines. Yeah. Terrible. I do have a bone to pick with guns. He said that he doesn't feel bad for Ben Affleck. The dude's married to Jennifer Lopez. I feel bad for him. I really do. <laughs> that is true. I, we know the effect I, that she's had on a Rod for crying out loud. The guy had posted photos of her, even though she broke up with them. Yeah. Every single uh, like photo, the paparazzi gets of those two just looks like looks every, miserable. every like negative interaction I've ever had with my wife. The look on my face right after that's the look on his face in every photo that you see of so, the two of them. You know how you sum that up? Ugh, yeah, UGH, just, ugh. He looks so disgruntled every time. He's very good at emoting, too. Like, he's got a very emotive face. He's like, I'm so, so over So his face this. is always showing exactly what he's feeling in the moment. I, I love yeah. that about Ben Affleck. So who's, let me ask you this, though. Whose side are you? Eventually, it's going to trickle down to us, though, where we're going to be like, what are we watching? What are we doing? Thank God Succession already wrapped up because I would have, I would have been freaking out. I yeah, would have been protesting. I don't, I don't well, whose like Whose side it. are you on? I don't like the studios. Listen, they have so much money behind uh, uh, behind them, but on the flip side, listen, they're like, oh well, we're we're you know we're losing money as well, blah blah blah. But then then do a better product. Yeah, that that's where Come it comes on. down to. Like, I, look, I, I I guess I could be somewhat sympathetic to you know we have a business to run too, and what we've been producing with you hasn't been working. But if you're the one making the bad decisions, yeah. who should pay the price for those bad decisions? You, yeah, the yeah. C-suite executives, yeah, exactly. or you know the ones that you're employing. And they're they're claiming well they're, they're going to pay the price now because we're not going to be the one to pay the price. Just make better decisions on what yeah. you put out into the world, and I think it could get better. But I think not they're going to the I think they're going to bleed them out. I think I mean it, it's eventually what they're going to do is they're going to start going this way, and then you're going to have everybody start turning on each other. 
because those that need the paycheck are going to be like, you know what? I'm willing to let's give up 70% just so I can get income. Right. And that's what's going to happen. So when I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, when the Braves put Quick Crete on their jersey <laughs> as a sponsor, like, yeah. I didn't really think much of it. It kind of looks okay on the jersey. It's not too big. And I'm thinking, eh, this was going to be a big distraction. The Boston Celtics you know, have a, a logo on their jersey, a, a, a corporate sponsor. It's a little distracting when you see a jersey like that yeah, it's and then cheap. see a sponsor on it. I hate it. But the New York Yankees of all teams Don't would be, start. you feel so like mad. the last one guns I'm so angry. that would go this route. But now they've, they've sold out furious. too, right? I was throwing stuff yesterday. I'm not even kidding. There is no reason that the New York Yankees, here's the deal. The New York Yankees, all right, they pride themselves. 27 world championships, all right, Chad? That's right. We have 27 of them. Cut your hair, You're young man. You're the holier. We're the reason that nice there haircuts, are. Nice haircuts, shaved. Yeah, you can't grow a beard. You I, I kind of like all that with them too. Yeah, it's like, all right, we, we're the pristine. We are the example. You know, we are the exception to uh, to the rule. Then what do we go and do? We do what everybody else did for no reason. The Yankees, all right? No. Oh, there's a reason. <laughs> no, 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 but it's not a, no, but don't even. Okay, all right, go ahead. Sorry, start. sorry, Here's go ahead. Deal, Didn't mean right? to step on the ramp. For those that don't know, we now have a star insurance patch on our jersey. What is Star Insurance? I don't know, but you know what? I hate Star Insurance. I will never use Star Insurance. You just screwed my team. Come on now. So here's the deal. The Yankees consistently have top three payroll. They're worth billions of dollars. They're getting $25 million for this to ruin their 100 plus year legacy. They got no names on the back. They're one of the only teams that ever do that. No names on the back. They refuse to do the third jersey BS all for a quick buck. And they do this for $25 million. $25 million is nothing to the New York Yankees. What it does is it cheapens it. They've sold out. And you can't have it both ways. You can't say that, oh, well, you know what? You can't grow a beer because we're the Yankees. But you know what? We're going to have star insurance on our freaking sleeve. It's stupid. Nobody asked for this. You need $25 million? Put another game on Apple TV Plus. Put another game on Amazon Prime because that's really great. Um, put a billboard up for crying out loud. It is so stupid. If you read those comments on the Yankees post that you just put up and you go through them, nobody, nobody likes this. It's so dumb. We asked for left-handed left, left uh, hitters. What do they do? They gave us a freaking patch <laughs> instead. Who cares? Get the, What do we... Ugh, it's I just, so uh, dumb, man. It's just stupid. I just sent a text to Davey, and I said, this is a good rant to uh, clip for today's show. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm into the passion behind the rant. It's just like, why, why do we do There's, and, no, and there's mundo, nothing I, comes I, out of it. I'd it's be curious so to know stupid. what you think about this because – what are you doing? I'm not a Yankees fan at all. You know, that's like uh, it, it's like cheering for Microsoft, right? <laughs> if you cheer for the Yankees <laughs> in a lot of ways. But I like the tradition. Like, yeah. I am a traditionalist. I like the history of sport. I like the history of everything, but I like the history of sports. I like that they have these policies about haircuts and shaving, and I like the look of the uniform and all that. And I kind of lean towards guns here. $25 million does sound like a lot, but... Is $25 million worth it when we're talking about what that franchise is worth and how much they're making to put a logo on their and jerseys? And ruin the legacy. What do you say, Armando? Well, anything that could raise guns' blood pressure like this, I think is a good thing mm -hmm. because <laughs> yep. clearly it is. I mean, the dude is turning red right here on, on camera. Oh, I've got the paddles studio. of life over here. I'm about to be saying clear <laughs> is, here in a second. He is a living, breathing emoji where his head, the top of his head, is going to come off and we will see brain particles Very flying onto the wall. Hey, Guns, um, I, I want to ask you about the, the runaway blockbuster Sounds of Freedom. 
Um, it has surprised everyone. It is based on the exploits of Tim Ballard, who was a badass individual who went out and started tracking down sex traffickers uh, in the mid-90s. And the coverage of that in the mid-90s, Tim Ballard, was great. But all of a sudden, here we are in 2023, and the media has panned the idea of a movie about a guy finding and bringing to justice sex traffickers. Why do you think that is? I think it's because, uh, I'll, I'll jump in on this, on yeah. my, my opinion on it. I, I think it's because uh, we've fallen into this trap in America where no one judges anything on its face for what it is or the value of it or what it's saying or, or it, whether or not they truly like it or not. And instead they immediately look to, well, who likes this? Right. And when they look at who likes it, they say, well, this is, uh, you know, just, I read something where it's like it's QAnon propaganda uh, for the right. And I'm like, what? Have you seen it? Do you know what it's about? Like, how, how is that the case? And they say that just because, you know, someone from QAnon may be liking it and t tweeting about it on social media. So it's one of those that because they like it, and I think this works both ways, right? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. they like it, I hate it, and I'm going to find a way to not talk about it. Where guns, I'd love to just get back to a system where we watch something right, or we yeah. read it. And you you take it at face value, and you give your own opinion on it based on what you think about the subject matter. It's a perfect example. <clears throat> excuse me. Of nobody can see the other side. You can't speaking of like picket lines. You can't cross over. Like it is. We live in such a divided world right now, where there is no middle ground. Where it used to be like you know far far right, far far left. The average person would be in the middle. It's become so politicized and so energized and so angry right now on both sides that nobody can just be real and be like, and just be like, I don't like, it doesn't matter who puts something out. If it's something important, let's all agree on that. This is important. It's important to get out there. It is. You can't go over to the other side. You can't go over to the other team. And unfortunately it's just um, the, 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 the movie version of what we were seeing across the political spectrum and political realm everywhere now across the country. Let's uh, lower your blood pressure a little bit by just cheersing to the weekend. Hey, you know what? Thank you for joining us, Guns. Yes. Always good for a gun show. Let's go Yankees. When we come back, maybe Armando Salguero, the great Armando Salguero. We close out the show with him. That's next. This is Hot Mike. We made it. Final segment of the show on a Friday, heading into a weekend. Hope everyone out there has a big and safe weekend. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming to you live each and every week from our downtown Nashville studios at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. SEC Media Day is coming to town next week. We'll have some coverage for you from that event. Going to be a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun today. The um, stupendous, I'm coming up with a lot of adjectives that start with S for Armando Salguero. But Armando rocking the Yankees hat after our Yankees discussion in the last segment. He's got the beach behind him. He is uh, serenading the weekend right now with that look behind him. Done a great job with us today. Armando, in all seriousness, appreciate you uh, tagging along for three hours 
three hours, not not a short show, and uh, you've done a great job. You've made it feel short today. The time has flown, so thank you for for chipping in. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chad. No one better than me. I know it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you you made that very clear to me. No one uh, better. I, I'm wearing the Yankees cap just to mess with guns because it's the alternate you know, July 4th, Independence Day Yankees hat, which I'm sure would make him have like some sort of coronary because it's not the traditional one. So yep. there it is. Yep. He's, uh, he's in the corner of the room right now and I can see his face getting red by the, by the second he's, uh, his, his, his heart is palpitating. A lot of bad things health wise are happening over there right now. Um, Dwayne Wade is now a part owner. Uh, he has joined the ownership group of the WNBA's Chicago Sky. Dwayne Wade from Chicago played his college ball at Marquette. Of course, a Miami legend now for what he did with the Miami Heat. And now a part owner of the Chicago Sky, Armando. What what do you make of this move? Weird. Um, uh, I I know that the WNBA is a a league that a lot of certain type of people love to lift up, and I get it. To actually invest money in the WNBA is weird to me. The WNBA is coming up on its 30th season of um, existence. And from as far as I know, it has never once made money. It is not a money-making venture. The the NBA actually uh, gives the NBA money. Uh, to the tune of like $12 million a year or something like that. Um, and yet Dwayne Wade talks about establishing the the sky uh, as a, quote, big part of the city, just like the Cubs, just like the White Sox, <laughs> just like the Bulls. Oh, come on. I'm wondering if the Chicago sky, who, by the way, have won a championship, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if they will ever be on the same plateau as the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox of Bill Vec, the Chicago Bulls of Michael Jackson, and then the Chicago uh, Michael Jackson, excuse me, <laughs> sorry, two very different sorry. people, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael Jordan, uh, and and you know it's like, are you serious, dude? You're losing credibility by the moment. And here's the thing. So do the exercise, Chad. The WNBA is coming up in in was in 2026 is going to be in its 30th season. Go around and think of how other leagues in their first 30 seasons did uh, of existence and see how the WNBA is doing by comparison. The Premier League in England began in 1992, right? And so it has celebrated its 30th season. It's soccer. The Premier League TV rights are $3.1 billion per year. 4.7 billion people per season watch the games across 212 regions uh, of the world. How does the WNBA compare in its almost 30th season? Well, let's see. They, their television revenue is uh, 30 to $40 million a year compared to $3.1 billion. Um, 
They average about 8,000 people per game. Okay. Uh, who is the best WNBA player right now? Quick, tell me. Tell me right now. Um, right. S- Nobody uh, knows. Sabrina Ionesco? Is that a, is that a person? Is that a player? Maybe. It feels like a player. I don't know. I just I, I literally just pulled that one out of somewhere. The recesses of my brain. Oh, that's I don't know. One that popped it it could be the Tennessee quarterback. Uh, you know, Nico Yamaleava actually is going to have <laughs> a very you. good career for the Chicago Sky at some point. Yeah, we haven't had a, heard a lot of arguments about the Chicago Sky title being as as impactful as that Cubs title back in 2016 uh, when they broke exactly. the curse. I mean. It does feel, Armando, a little bit more like uh, charity or fundraising to pump money into that league as opposed to just raw business from a professional standpoint. It feels like even some of the quotes I'm reading from both the Chicago Sky and Dwayne Wade, it feels like philanthropy and, and not business. You know, like I just really want to be associated with this and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is about supporting you know, women's sports and all that. And that's all, that's all great, but it almost feels like the pitch is like what I would make for my travel softball team to, hey, you really need to support these girls. They're going to be playing in tournaments. So, you know, give us some money and help us out here. That It feels way too close to that pitch for what's going on in the WNBA. And look, they're, they're good basketball players, right? But it's not a profitable business. And when we talk they're not professional premier sports, basketball players. No, and, we're, and, and, it's in, and this is a whole other conversation. I think the sport as a whole got worse as women tried to portray what they were seeing from the men's game as women, women are more athletic now than they have been in the past. But I think as they played to that athleticism, the game got worse. It junked it up a bit. I think the game was better in the eighties and nineties when I would watch women's college basketball and they were a lot more fundamentally sound than the men. And the game was fun that way because in many ways they could shoot better Right, So there was a different element to it than you saw in the men's game. I think it's trying to mimic the men's game in too many ways, and that's not been a successful formula uh, for the WNBA. Now, women's college basketball just saw an all-time high because of Caitlin Clark in Iowa and the phenom that she was, and then Angel Reese in LSU in that game. So they did very well, but it hasn't translated to the WNBA. I don't know what's translating, by the way, in this story from the RFK Jr. campaign event the headline, Armando, is Swanky RFK Jr. campaign event devolves into shouting and prolonged flatulence. Um, what in the world went down here? So, first of all, this is happening in New York City, right? It's yeah. happening in the, a bastion of... The mecca of culture and, and uh, academia in our great and nation, right? Yes. And elitism and, and the Kennedys and... Uh, those in New York yeah. City would think this is a headline from West Virginia if so they read this headline. These two dudes who are New York City elites got into an argument over climate change or climate whatever, uh, you know, global warming or something. And one of them got so angry that he started to fart <laughs> because it was going to make the other guy angry not because of the offensive nature of the, the act, but because of what that does to the climate. And so apparently that is how the debate has been raging with, between these elites now that 
the way that you you protest their side is to fart to so, prove to them that the earth can survive your fart. This was a protest of flatulence, is what you're saying. That they're they're trying to show that the world's not going to explode with the the flatulence in the air. I'm 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 confused. What side is the 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 farter on on this debate? I, like what which what which one are they trying to prove? I'm I'm confused on that point. If I'm not mistaken, the farter is on the side of global warming is a hoax, and the farty is on the side of. Farting is really bad for the environment. Uh, and I think this, the, this goes all the way back to cow flatulence being really bad for CO2 emissions. And we got to find a way to plug the cow's butt or something of that nature. Uh, by the way, all those nice, all those nice adjectives that you shared about me prior. <laughs> yeah. Try to come up with them after this segment. The very low brow Armando Salguero has been our special <laughs> guest co-host today. Uh, crazy, crazy story for sure. Also crazy that ESPN is going to dedicate an entire week of programming to debating Madden ratings. Um, I understand slow times of the year and all of that. I've been in sports media for a while, and I've covered three or four hours of a show daily during the middle of the summer months. But something that I've always done and we've done as a show is we vowed to not just do the standard, stereotypical Mount Rushmore of sports or the tired list, you know, that people wanted to every single sports talk show does during the summer months. But now here's ESPN saying, we're going to take a video game and the ratings, the video game and spend a week debating the ratings on a video game. This to me, Armando, is a complete waste of time. I'd rather, you know, decide to rate ESPN talent. Oh, that Let's would be a that. fun fun week of shows. So what about like rating. a survivor? For the next layoffs, we have a survivor style competition oh. where their own peers rate their performance on air and then they decide the layoffs that way at ESPN. I mean, well, that's pretty harsh for those that, that are gonna get laid off with their job on the line. But would I watch that show? Absolutely I'd watch that show. That's compelling television right there. So I, I don't know that I'd go so far as to do the layoffs thing, but to me, as far as sheer talent, like Scott Van Pelt is he's great. He, he's on that Mount Rushmore, right? He is, if Madden had uh, ESPN talent ratings, he would be whatever the highest rating is, 99 or something like that. Uh, Sage Steele, she's great. Yeah, she's uh, really good. Adam Schefter, the best in the business at what he does. Right? Laura Rutledge, she's great. Kirk Herbstreet, I would say great also on that Kirk, list. Kirk Street, great. Dan Orlovsky, he turns complicated NFL offenses into something that you can understand. That is something that I think I would be interested in. Uh, did I miss? Did we miss any? Well, any guys? some of the ones that we missed were just laid off. You know, I, I would argue Susie Colber. Uh, great for years at what she did. You know, kind of go down the list of some of those layoffs. Jeff Van Gundy, controversial in that he says what he thinks, calling a game, and he talks bad about the NBA at times. But I think he's great at what he does on television, and they're no longer with the company, uh, unfortunately, for, for them and for ESPN. So they just got rid of a pretty 
pretty good long list of names that would have high Madden ratings, right? If we did the, the ESPN version of the Madden ratings, I think some of those names, Steve Young, you know, might appear on that, that list as well. I believe that one time I was in the press box and I saw Steve Young come in and, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a quarterback cornered him and started ripping into him for what he had said uh, about him on air. And Steve Young was like, he was all of a sudden this little person that was just cowering uh, because it was Dante Culpepper who was taking him to task in the press box because Steve Young had been critical of him and Steve Young just took it, just took it. Uh, well, Steve Young was one of my favorite players uh, in, in that era growing up. So I, now I want to hear the rest of the story. We'll lead the next time Armando co-host with me uh, when Hutton's out with that Steve Young, Dante Culpepper story. Armando, thank you so much. Terrific job today. Show flew right by. Really appreciate your good, good work. Talk to you soon, bud. You're the best, Chad. Thank you, sir. We're out of time for this, this, this edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We're back at it on Monday with Hutton returning. Thanks for watching, everyone.